Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Gola Jr. That is me. With me, as always, Super Producer Brandon Newman. Be new. What's going on? Nothing much. Just trying to be a big sweetie. Yeah, big sweetie. A phenomenal new category edition by Charlotte Wilder, our dear friend on Wilder Wednesdays. You got on a Thursday. I, I still maintain... If and when we ever make merchandise for this show, and shout out by the way, head over to the DraftKings shop and check out some of the baseball is dead gear, uh, the name redacted podcast gear from Jared Carabas and the boys over there. That's the one thing I'll say. Quality logos, they got good merch. We're gonna have to work a little bit harder because it feels weird to put like my nickname on a shirt and expect that to be a thing. But they got really good merch that people need to check out in the DK store. My good friends at Gojo, we haven't even named you. Help us name you. And also, let us know your favorite quotables from Mike Gold Jr. to put on a t-shirt. We'll or get some Brandon going. Newman. Oh, Mike, you know what? You know what? Let's re- let's start a real hustle. Only illustrations from our hands will go on these t-shirts. Oh, you know what? I have a dream, Brandon. See, people haven't, I think, seen the logo. If you go on Instagram at Mike Golick Jr., my profile picture (laughs) was the original drawing for the logo that I wanted to use. It was made, it was a drawing my younger cousin did of me. And it is one of the most profound things I've ever seen. So feel free to go check that out. I'll tweet that back out at some point. But yes, we are on the hunt for creative merch ideas. And so if you want to hand draw it, if we hand draw it, whatever it Mm. is, we're going to start there. We're going to work with with everything else 
in the meantime we got a great show for everybody today as always make sure you download subscribe rate and review this thing leave us a five-star rating and a review and check us out on the DraftKings youtube channel under the gojo with mike golick jr tab there's also a tab that just says podcasts on the DraftKings youtube channel and we're under there too and that one to me a little bit more intuitive than the like other tabs that we've had to talk about here so i feel like going under podcasts and finding us there makes a lot more sense it just took me a while to get to there yeah since the thousands of people that are listening to us are listening to us on a podcast what a beautiful thing what a beautiful thing and on this podcast uh we got a bunch of good stuff to get to major league baseball opening day was here what i want to call sports buffet days that we'll get into here shortly also some very sneaky lamar jackson news that i do not believe i've seen covered nearly enough coming off the nfl owners meetings this week in arizona and we want to try out a new segment as we head into the weekend called turn-ons which makes Mm. an overwhelming amount of sense for how deeply Mm. horny this show has been far too often. But Brandon, uh, people might be horny for Major League Baseball to start their season, and at the very least, even if you're not a diehard Major League Baseball fan, opening day is just one of those feelings that's like, I don't want to say like deeply American, but it kind of is, and it's just a deeply enjoyable thing as a sports fan because it's a volume day. You've got all 30 teams going out there and playing. You've got yes. nonstop action. You've got stuff happening. Highlights are popping up from all over the league in these various teams. And so that's why I say it's a buffet day because you get a little bit of everything on that day. And I feel like among what I would call the other sports buffet days. So you've got opening day for Major League Baseball. You have got the first weekend of March Madness, which is one of the best that we just went through earlier this month. You have got Thanksgiving weekend, I think to me qualifies as a buffet day. It's not really a day because it's the games on Thursday that are standalone. You've got college football Friday games. It's rivalry weekend in college football. So you get the Iron Bowl, you get the game, you get all those things that go along with it. And then the first weekend where the NFL red zone comes back in the fall, I think those would all qualify as sports buffet days. Like, Would you have a favorite in that group, Brandon, or would you have one that I'm missing? I, I, You know I have one that you're missing. Think about where I'm from. The Kentucky Derby, baby. I don't know if that's a buffet. What do you mean it's not a buffet day? Because it's a single event. Like all those other ones, it's within one sport, Uh, and you've got multiple games going on for the weekend of March Madness. You've got multiple games going on for MLB's opening day, Thanksgiving, the first NFL weekend, all those things. Because I'm with you, like, we've got Masters weekend coming up next weekend, and Masters Sunday is one of the best single sporting event days of the calendar year. It's an all-world nap, and the Kentucky Derby also, (laughs) holy holiday, it's just... It's not quite a buffet event. That's why I wanted to differentiate the category. I'm sorry. You know I had to insert Louisville in here in some way, shape, or form. But, yes, I think the kickoff of the NFL season is great. I feel like it's lost a little bit of luster since we start doing Thursday night games. I feel like it's kind of like... I, I I need that. I like the I like the climax for the prime time to be after the big slew of games uh, on Sunday. That, that that's my that's my that's my favorite that's my favorite part. But obviously, but I want, I'm glad that you said baseball is a volume day, like opening day, because it's all about sounds for me, like the Ooh. sounds of like the umpires, like the sounds of like the um, people in the announcers, like at the actual stadium like those voices and tones and what they're saying the the 
I can't even do it right. Like the the Aaron Judge sound. The crack the crack of the bat. The crack of the bat on a perfectly struck Aaron Judge or Shohei Atani home run, which Aaron Judge wasted no time his first at bat this major league season. The man who went all rise 62 times last year and set the American League record decided to just start this thing right off again against the team that was bidding for him against the Yankees this last offseason. So adding insult to injury. Yes, that sound one of the purest in sports if we were going to do best sounds. It's ritual. It's tradition. Uh, you need to be audibly affecting the area around you for you to be a thing. You do get great sights and sound, and it's a really visceral day because I can smell the ballpark food through the TV. You yeah. can see like the sights the of pitchers and people in the dugout openly dipping again and just spitting the Ooh. chew everywhere. They put up a graphic because, as we talked about, one of the uh, – teams everyone's going to be focused on the odds on favorite of the DraftKings Sportsbook to repeat as World Series champions the Houston Astros lost their first opening day game for the lost an opening day game for the first time in 10 years and the picture that they put up online for it guy had a massive chaw and I forget who it was but that to me also uniquely baseball one of the few sports where you're traveling at a slow enough pace more often than not to just pack fat lips in like our teammates used to do I just love the things that people can get away with in the dugout, like just the the things you eat, the spitting, like it's spitting's frowned upon when you're above your when you're over thirty. Like you have to be sick to spit. Well, yeah, but you're playing in, in a sport where the coach of the team wears a jersey like the players. So if you want to talk about something <laughs> where age is really just a construct, I was sitting with my mom watching baseball highlights last night, and she looked up when they were talking after the Mets got went out and got their win, which we can talk about how cursed the Mets are. The news they Man. already got that Justin Verlander was going to be on the injury list for a muscle strain. Before the season even gets going, that team just continues between Edwin Diaz and the World Baseball Classic, which launched a thousand ships and a thousand arguments about the viability of the World Baseball Classic and if it should happen. There was no Justin Verlander dealing with any of that stuff. And still, he had a strain, and I had to look up this muscle, his Terrace Major, which I only Mm. really can identify. It's basically in like the top outside of your lat. And the only reason I could understand that through Justin Verlander's lens is because I went golfing for the first time of the year this past week, and my entire left side, because I'm a righty, was sore as shit up to that point. So, feels like a golf injury, but could also be a pitching injury. Wish Justin Verlander well, his 40-year-old ass. Uh, Yes, I hope he gets back soon. Uh, The Mets need him. But also, that's a great rap name. Was it Terrius Major? Terrace Major, that is a great rap name. Yeah, I, I, or R&B, you know, crossover, whatever it is, but shouts out to him. Six of one, half dozen of the other. Now, again, because they're already down Edwin Diaz, it's something where Verlander said if it was a postseason game, he would have pitched, he would have been out there and expressed confidence that this is only minor, but when you're 40 years old, minor no. means a little bit different especially no. as a pitcher, even coming off the great year that he had last year, a third Cy Young, all the great things that he was a part of for the Houston Astros in that season, you're the Mets. You can't help but worry. But I bring this all up to say I'm watching highlights of that with my mom where, all right, you get Scherzer out on the mound instead because, my God, that rotation's insane. And they go out and they win the thing, and Buck Showalter, the manager's getting interviewed after. And my mom goes, Jesus Christ, is that Buck Showalter? 
She's, and she just looked at me and goes, no show retreads their coaches more than Major League Baseball. No show. No sport oh. has retread managers quite as much as Major League Baseball. So that is she's what we had about, to look forward to. She was thinking about his old Yankee days. I mean, Buck Walter just feels like he's been around baseball forever. And for him to now be around the Mets, just to prompt that reaction for my mom, it was a great version of so-and-so still in the league from this oh weekend. Gosh. Yeah, it's, it's it's all of us seeing all the people that we saw in the NFL, their kids now in the NFL. Oh, my God. I mean, um, who's – um? why am I blanking? The old linebacker's name whose kid's a defensive back in the draft oh, now? Uh, Joey Porter Jr. Yeah, Joey Porter Jr., great defensive back out of Penn State. That one instantly makes you feel like it's – yeah, it's all terrifying yeah, now. Yeah, he's a, he's a baller. They're talking about being a, a first-rounder, Joey Porter Jr.'s son. What? Oh, we have strayed so, so far from the Lord. Um, I would say, like, probably my biggest takeaway from opening day, because, listen, we're going to parachute on baseball every once in a while. Neither yeah. you and I are diehard baseball fans of any one team, but – We've been interested going into this year because the story of spring training, we talked about Shohei Itani and all the player-led things, but the sport, all the rule changes, bigger bases, pitch clock, banning of the shifts. The Yankees game yesterday, which they won against the Giants, finished in two hours and 33 minutes. Major Mm. League Baseball hasn't averaged two hours and 45 minutes for their game since, I believe, 1985. And in spring training, we saw they were about 26 minutes shorter, and... We said it's more about getting the action sped up inside the sport, and I think it accomplished that. You saw deliberate pace from batters and pitchers that led to kind of a heightened feeling as a viewer. Like, I didn't have to sit around. I couldn't check my phone. I had to be ready for the next pitch to come up, especially in critical moments towards the end of these games. The Astros and the White Sox were 3-2 with two outs in the bottom of the ninth and a man on. So you had legitimate pressure situations that now there's no lull in the action. You don't get to look away. And I think creating more and more of those moments is going to be something I'll be curious has an effect on baseball or not. Because so far through the first weekend, and again, buffet style, volume play, very different than the next 161 games for all these teams. At the very least, you saw it pay off for them, albeit I think the Yankees shut out the Giants, so different game flow there. But if that's indicative of what's to come, this might be something that gets Major League Baseball what they were looking for when they made these rule changes. Absolutely, Mike. Major League Baseball looks like a TV show for the first time in a long time. It's like paced out well. I think it's going to get more parents to come out because you just can be able to know when the game ends and, and when bedtime starts and begins. But I love the changes that are happening. So much so, they're pacing out the entertainment that Megan The Stallion, who threw the first pitch for the Houston Astros game, was on a pitch clock. <laughs> no, she wasn't. Was she really? Yes, she was. Yes, she was. They had a pitch <laughs> clock for the celebrity to throw out the game. Like, that is, that's amazing. I love, she was the first person to throw on a pitch clock for a game uh, in Houston Nashville Stadium. That's incredible. I will say, too, shout out to Meg the Stallion. The Astros should be ashamed of themselves for losing in their first opening day in 10 years on the day Meg went out there and threw that pitch. Because I'll say, she ended up bouncing it off the dirt a little left and short. But overall, mechanically, pitch looked really good. Went yeah. out there, 
put good velocity on it. Again, just had the aim a little bit off. It's a lot like a golf swing for an amateur. Like for me, if I strike the ball well, if it goes up in the air, I'm not going to beef if it's a little bit outside of where I wanted to hit it left or right, short or far. I just need to feel good about the way I struck it. She went out there and put a very good throw on that pitch, one that I think she can be proud of. It didn't look like 50 Cent who looked like it was the first time he had touched a baseball. <laughs> right. Or um, uh, Money Team. Uh, Floyd Mayweather. Oh, God, uh, yes. yeah. But but I will say, uh, talking about being proud of yourself, I'm following Magda Stallion on Instagram. She's been putting out a lot of workout photos, like a lot of you know tripod photos of her in the gym doing you know back presses and things of that nature. Um, I'm following her because I'm a fan of of music, not a you know. I can say it's a hell of that's a hell of a lead in if you want us to think you're following for pure intentions. <laughs> I am following for pure intentions, but Mike, I I wish I can say that she's thrown a baseball before, but that might have been a beginner's luck because for the first 30 seconds when she got out to the mound before they started the pitch clock, she was facing to the outfield and the cameras just kind of just looking at her, and then you know the cameras from the from the pitcher just seeing the back of her, and then she said, "Who am I supposed to throw to?" <laughs> If you don't turn around and face the catcher. Hey, that's an even bigger flex. She's a showman and she's just building the suspense as far as I'm concerned. As someone that recently threw out a first pitch at a Hartford Yard Goats game last year, you got to get the crowd on your side a little bit. You got to take a little bit extra time, build that buzz in the stadium before you go out there and show off the cannon. Now, I will say as far as female stars in the world of music, She does fall short of what I saw Sweetie do last year at a Dodgers game. That woman in heels with those six-inch super long nails went out and put that thing right in Mookie Betts' glove, right across home plate. She looked like Jared freaking Carabas out there. It was remarkable. So that's still the gold standard as far as I'm concerned, but I thought Meg did a really good job and deserved a better performance from the Astros on the back end of it. Hey, that's that beauty, that that Brooklyn Dodgers, right where hip-hop started in the Dodgers uniform. Running through our veins. Exactly, man. It's a beautiful thing. You love to see it. Uh, So congrats to everyone on opening day. I hope your teams did well. And if you're a Mets fan, I'm sorry, but this has been life for you for a long time. So you know how to deal with this a lot better than I could ever coach you up and coach you through on. Um, All right, guys. Let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Brandon, I want to take a dip into football for just a second here. I know people are going to feel worn out on some of this stuff, but between Anthony Richards' pro day and what we saw out of Lamar ja- or heard about Lamar Jackson from Dan yes. Graziano over the weekend, 
I think we've got some pretty compelling stuff here that's going to change a couple of these conversations that we've been having. I want to start with the Lamar Jackson point because we've spun our tires on this without a real different bit of information for quite a while. And then in owners' meetings this week, Lamar Jackson tweeted about wanting to trade and everyone talked about it and we heard Jim Irsay and the Colts camp uh, talk about them potentially kicking the tires on him, the Meek Mill and Patriots thing, which you know feels less and less like a true story. But it was just something new. This, to me, was the first time we had heard something new that also felt very important. And Dan Graziano did a little bit of a recap of what he heard going around the NFL meetings. And he said this, I'm told is that Jackson is insisting on getting more fully guaranteed money than the $230 million Deshaun Watson got in his deal with the Browns. And after my conversations in Phoenix, I no longer believe Jackson was insisting that the deal be fully guaranteed, just that the guaranteed portion of it be larger than Watson's. But I also get the sense from my source that Jackson is irked by some of the Ravens' negotiation tactics, including some of the specific language in their offers last year, and that he's eager to see what other teams have to offer. And so... While the feelings behind all of this might not be any different, right? The personal part that comes with business. I think that bit about Dan Graziano, established NFL insider, saying based on what he's heard, he doesn't believe. Like Lamar Jackson told us when he called it cap some of the things that were being reported about his demands of contracts. It being reported that he is not seeking a fully guaranteed contract, just more guaranteed money... Might not make the conversation a ton easier, but Brandon makes it so different in the way that it's constantly been framed as NFL owners afraid of this paradigm shift, NFL owners afraid of a new precedent popping up, and now just, oh, not wanting to foot the bill for $230 million because now you can make the argument that, yeah, Deshaun Watson wants the next big jump in pay that we see for quarterbacks that are up on their deals. But if you're an owner, you can make that offer without fear of the thing that clearly is kind of the boogeyman for you in the background, and that's having to fully guarantee player contracts, especially quarterback ones. So I think that changes the tenor of this a lot, even if we haven't seen it move the market for Lamar Jackson right now. But the argument's the, the still the same in the end, right? The owners, the people with the money don't want to divvy it out for a quarterback that they think is in liability. And let's get everything completely clear. Lamar Jackson is worth all of that money in this world, in this lexicon, in this universe, because Deshaun Watson currently has the contract that he has. I think Lamar Jackson is a better quarterback than Deshaun Watson. I think he's been showing that for a long time and consistently. Obviously, Deshaun Watson has had more weapons and and arguably he probably is considered the best quarterback for most. But as of right now, what those two quarterbacks are worth based on what they've done for the NFL in the last two calendar years, Lamar Jackson should be getting paid what Deshaun Watson is getting paid from the Browns, even though it was a bad deal in the sense that Cleveland gave Deshaun Watson way too much money. Correct. Like, the mar- what happens in the market dictates the market going forward. That's how most all of these things have worked with few outlier instances. And so I just will be curious now more of what the conversation looks like going forward if you're a team potentially involved in all this. It should probably shift to what we've talked about plenty, which is just 
the fear of the Ravens using this as a tool. And this idea that Graziano already mentioned, that the Ravens want him back more than most other teams, want to potentially risk going out here, doing all this work, and then letting someone come in at the last minute and swoop on this. Especially if it's going to be going in and getting that trade for the two-round pick, or uh, getting that move, signing the offer sheet for the two first-round picks, and then paying the money, as opposed to a sign-and-trade where they could avoid some of the things that come with the leverage the Ravens had with that non-exclusive tag that allows them to match anything there. I think that is a tool, once again, why we talk about players hating the franchise tag is for reasons like this. The Ravens get a tool to suppress Lamar Jackson's market here. Mm. They are making Mm. it more difficult and less likely for other teams to want to bid. And I think we can probably start to focus more on that now if we hear more and more of this that in fact Lamar Jackson and that sentiment is not fully guaranteed. It's just a lot of guaranteed money. And so I just want to keep an eye on that going forward based on what Dan Graziano and company reported coming off of owners meetings because I don't feel like I've seen that discussed a lot. And I think it's pretty significant because of how this conversation's always been framed. How does this have anything to do with Anthony Richardson going into this draft? Well, that's more just because it's also a football thing. But Anthony Richardson and the draft are definitely tied into Lamar Jackson, right? Because how teams that might be interested in Lamar Jackson end up falling in the draft, end up allocating resources in the draft, and if they end up getting in on some of these young quarterbacks or not, are going to, I think, affect and change the market for Lamar Jackson if it makes it till after the draft, right? If you were the Ravens and you were just looking for the best offer, kind of like we've talked about with Green Bay, you'd want to get it done before the draft this year so you could potentially get in on one of these young guys and replace the Lamar Jackson that you're losing. But if you're Lamar Jackson and you feel like sitting through this and feel like waiting and really are kind of hell-bent on the way it's been positioned now by him of maybe getting out of Baltimore because you feel like they've burned a bridge, you can wait till after the draft and see who might be available there. And what we've seen from these quarterbacks and how we've dissected them going through this offseason could change that. Anthony Richardson had his pro day yesterday at Florida. And it's less about what he did on the field because he already did all the run, jump fast, look cool stuff at the combine. Now, he did the backflip thing again, which just for me brought me a tremendous amount of joy based on having seen him do it at Florida. It's one of the freakier things I've ever seen a 6'4", 240-pound athlete do. How effortlessly athletic he is. It's just a cool reminder. But he just threw the ball around the rest of the day. He went through the normal scripted throws like most quarterbacks do and looked really good doing it. They talked about what a natural thrower he is, how loose his upper body looks compared to someone like Will Levis, who's another one of the big muscle-bound, statistically pleasing quarterbacks when it comes to physical ability in this draft class. Right. But the thing with Anthony Richardson that seems to happen every time he comes back up in the public view, and I've seen this with our buddy Nate Tice over at The Athletic, I've seen it with Dan Orlovsky and Mina Kimes on NFL Live, and I've seen it myself going and watching a lot of these quarterbacks, is every time you turn Anthony Richardson on, you go... You know, for a guy who gets the project label, he's a lot cleaner in areas than you would expect. Because normally when we hear that, we think everything's raw. We think it's just a guy busting big runs and occasionally hitting cool deep balls. Anthony Richardson does a bunch of stuff on the intermediate level that surprises you every now and then. On the run, moving around in the pocket especially. How he moves his feet and how in control he seems to be in the pocket. In addition to, yeah, being able to break big runs. Probably throwing the prettiest deep ball in the class. And so... Because he looks a little more able than I think a lot of people give him credit for and a little farther along, 
I think it makes the conversation about him at number one overall a little bit more viable because to me, his biggest issues all seem to go back to just needing more reps and needing more live reps, right? I remember when I was getting ready to go up to CFL training camp and thinking about that as an option in my career after I'd gotten cut a second time from NFL teams. I started 17 games in college, which I cherish, I love, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not a ton of reps at being a football player and preparing to go out and play a game. Preparing like a starter, preparing with that in mind, and then seeing things happen at game speed that you can't prepare for in practice, that you can't just script in those periods. And when I talked to one of my old coaches, he said, you need reps at being a starting player. You need more of those games under your belt at the professional level, and so the CFL would be a really good option. That's not to say Anthony Richardson needs to take an alternate league route. It just means that for a player like him, I think whatever organization's going to bring him in does have to think long and hard about just getting him on the field early and taking their lumps if they can absorb it. Like, your team has to know we're okay. in a position to make sure we don't David Carr this dude. We can't have him getting sacked as many times as we've seen Joe Burrow get sacked in his first couple of years because he doesn't have the game reps as the guy under his belt. He's not walking well, in with as many starts as Burrow, as Mahomes, as a lot of his peers in those classes. He needs more of the reps under his belt. And so you've got to be able to give that to him in the right environment. And I heard Dan Orlowski bring up coaching, but it's also got to be, can you protect him? Can the offense go out there and function at an adult level? And can you have the backup form on the other side of the ball? And when you put all that together, it starts to look like the picture the Carolina Panthers could potentially absorb. With an mm. offensive line where they retained all five starters, where down the stretch of last season, they started to become the position group that you could rely on. With a defense that we know has been young, talented, and like last year was really productive, even at a time when the offense wasn't helping them out. And so... I'm not saying it's still not a complicated decision. I just think it one it's one that warrants a little bit more consideration based on what we see and hear from smart football people every single time Anthony Richardson's name re-enters the news cycle. Yeah, I was wondering as you were talking who which team can absorb that amount of losses waiting for Anthony Anthony Richards uh, excuse me Anthony Richardson to get to his peak level like would uh, Trevor Lawrence, the Wonder Boy quarterback, he went to the Jacksonville Jaguars, a team that's historically been really bad and struggled to find consistency. So they'll take their lumps. They'll take their Urban Meyer lumps. But the Carolina Panthers prove a very interesting with Frank Reich and who was the first quarterback to ever play for that franchise and all the storybook stuff that they're trying to start over there the same way they did when Cam Newton was the number one draft pick uh, for them so long ago. So it does seem like it's a perfect, it seems like it'll be a surprise if they don't take him, but that's the narrative right now, Mike. And I remember last year when it was San Francisco 49ers, it was like, oh, they're definitely going Matt Jones. And I know where it was Trey Lance and it was Trey Lance the whole time. And all these narratives can change who's jockeying for who. But the thing that makes sense is definitely Anthony Richardson with the Carolina Panthers. It, it, you can at least see it. And we've said since the beginning, 
Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and Anthony Richardson are, I think, the only three quarterbacks in this class. You can make an argument for the number one pick for various reasons, right? And for C.J., it's more about him being, I think, the safest one that checks most of the boxes. For Bryce, it's about being the best quarterback in this class as far as what we saw from you on a college field having that high-level experience. And for Anthony Richardson, it's the upside, but also what we talked about here, being a little bit further along than most people with that label get. Like, you mentioned Trey Lance was another guy. The 49ers looked at and said, incredible ability, incredible upside, just needs to play more football. But when you mortgage that amount of picks to get up, you want to take a risk on that guy. And the thing that's just bitten them in the ass has been injury. Like, they have not been able to net what they've wanted out of Trey Lance because of injury. You had all the complications because of what Jimmy Garoppolo was to your team and all those things that ended up creating the situation that you've got there now. I'm just saying it seems like Carolina could actually be a place that's a little bit more fertile ground for a young quarterback. And I heard Mina Kimes make this point on NFL Live. Usually we're used to god-awful teams up top. That once you come in, you're immediately just having to bail out everyone else and put out fires all over the field that you, for the most part, Trevor Lawrence couldn't possibly live up to and couldn't possibly survive in those circumstances. And so now it feels a little bit different this year. I think I saw Mel Kuyper's latest mock draft. He had Anthony Richardson going to the Seahawks. Now there, you'd be sitting behind Geno Smith early on, but going into an organization that does appear to at least have its shit together a little bit more. And so I just think those are interesting things to keep our eye on with Anthony Richardson now. And as we go forward in the lead up, like this conversation now, once we hit April, especially get done with March Madness, this is where it's going to hit the bricks for real. You brought up Trey Lance. You can go back to the 2018 draft. Baker Mayfield wasn't the number one overall pick until like Wednesday of draft week. Like that one was another mixed bag for a long time. And so... As we start to get closer and as the rest of us start to pay attention to these guys as much as NFL decision makers have already been paying attention to these guys, and for damn sure the Panthers who spent all that stuff to get up to the number one pick, I'm going to be fascinated to watch if people get more and more comfortable the way I felt myself getting more and more comfortable with the idea of Anthony Richardson as a number one overall pick. I mean, to me in the comments points and to your points, that Carolina Panthers team traded Christian McCaffrey last year and obviously had DJ Moore, but made PJ Walker uh, look like Geno Smith, <laughs> look like a, a, a star, you know, reborn. It had one of the, had the longest pass uh, in reg- in the regular season for the NFL last year. Completely, like I, I can see how just someone talented and raw, but a decent decision maker, could make a name for themselves in their first year in Carolina. It would be, and again, from Jersey cool factor. A1 from day one would be incredible. So uh, stuff to keep an eye on there as I think now the four big quarterbacks have all gotten through their pro day. So this was the next stanza of discussion. And now, like I said, post-March Madness this weekend, we'll get to the last version of this conversation. Brandon, the NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans will feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Speaking of March Madness, though, I wanted to get and try a new segment as we head into the weekend here. Nice. We've got so much going on. We talked about some of the events in the world of sports that are going to be coming up in the springtime here and in the upcoming weeks. And so I thought we would look ahead to the weekend at some of the things that you and I are going to try and check out, try and watch, and in a segment called Turn-Ons, explore that a little bit since... We're going to have to turn it on, and the content of this show veers towards a little bit too horny more often than not. So, what, are you going to dispute that? Yeah, I think I think you are childish, and we have put ourselves there because you speak it into existence. And, you know, but I'm, I'm your partner in crime, and I like to support you in all the decisions that you make, even if it's a little bit too... Um, so, oh gosh, that was going to say something that was going to make it me the person, but I'm not. So continue. You're claiming that this is secondhand horny that you're suffering from. <laughs> Definitely second. As someone who used to go to uh, smoking sections for my grandmother back in the day. Yeah, I know what secondhand secondhand feels like, and yes, I'm definitely getting secondhand horny from you. I didn't make you follow Meg the Stallion on Instagram for the workout videos. You did that shit. You brought that up. <laughs> I did bring it up because we were talking about her pitching. Jeez Louise. Continue. Jeez Louise is right. So, uh, Brandon, looking ahead to this weekend, uh, what to watch for? Obviously, I think starts with March Madness and the Final Four is going on in men's and women's college basketball. The women's Final Four, state of Texas, stand up. Women's Final Four starting in Dallas on Friday with the two matchups we've got there. LSU, Virginia Tech, the early game, followed by the big kahuna, South Carolina, Uh, going up against Iowa and Caitlin Clark. I was amazed on DraftKings Sportsbook. South Carolina is 12-point favorite in that game. Like the one that we've talked about is going to break all these records and do all these great things. Yeah. And Caitlin Clark's the national player of the I, year. 12-point favorites. I, I will say, when I watch those games, they're usually only up about 12 before halftime. And then something happens in the third and fourth quarter where they just blow the, the brakes off of the opponent. So I think they're giving respect to Clayton, uh, Caitlin Clark there. And it's not, I don't think that's, that's too far off. One thing that I was so surprised to see is that it's a 9 p.m. tip, Mike. Like this game is like scheduled in prime time. I know, and this is why I'm so happy to be West Coast balling for this one. A perfect Ooh, little nice. 6 p.m. P- uh, Pacific tip for your boy. That's great. Oh. That's great. Absolutely masterful. So, yeah, on that side right now on DraftKings Sportsbook, South Carolina is the overall favorite to win the title. Uh, They're minus 320. LSU's next at plus 700. That game against against Virginia Tech, uh, a little bit closer overall. LSU's a two-point favorite over Virginia Tech. Obviously, Kim Mulkey as a coach. Final fours at multiple schools. One of three coaches on the women's side to ever pull that off. So, she's been here before. She knows how it looks from the Baylor days. Um 
But we're all in it for that Friday night game. I can't wait for that one. Um, It seems like at this point, South Carolina, an easy favorite to win this whole thing on the women's side still the way they were at the start. Like, I haven't really seen anything that makes me otherwise. I just hope that... I feel like that's a number that Iowa can cover. Especially Caitlin Clark's coming off a 40-point triple-double in the Elite Eight. I get that with a shooter, the worry is always maybe the streakiness starts to get in. A little bit of math factors in and there's some regression, but... I just feel like she's got enough shit to her where I can expect her to go out there and help cover that number and make life interesting. I feel like Don Staley, the, the whole team, there's going to be thirsty to shut up the Caitlin Clark hype. Like, I feel like there's, they want to assert their dominance. Obviously, a perfect time to do so. Man, we'll, we'll wait and see with that one. On the men's side, so looking there, UConn, as we talked about, the favorite to win right now, minus 125 on DraftKings. They have covered games by 17 and a half points per game during the tournament so far. The second highest mark of any team since the field expanded back in 85, according to ESPN stats and info. So well-earned is the favorite. San Diego State next at plus 400, followed by Miami at plus 450, and FAU at plus 650 as favorites here. Um, Brandon, this is one we talked about There's not a ton of star power I'm super excited to see on the men's side at this point, but these have been compelling games. It's the final four. It's going to be on. I'm going to be dialed in, and I can only hope that we get the same kind of exciting action we've gotten the entire tournament uh, completing into this, even if, again, it's not full of household names or teams that we've really known before. Yeah, I think that's the one thing that you can get consistently out of the Final Four if there's not that one dominant team that's playing like South Carolina is these guys are champions. They're going to fight. They're going to push back when they're down. Like They're going to make it as close as, as close as they possibly can. Unfortunately, this is when injuries and stuff happen because there's a lot of wear and tear on those bodies, a lot of games, and you lose a, a you know your third best score and the entire game looks differently in the college game. But I, I feel like with FAU out there, they're going to give us a show every time. And Miami. Yeah. Shout out to Miami basketball right now. Well, I was going to say, we talked a lot about that with Jordan Cornette earlier in this week, the ACC disrespect that he's talked about, and what Miami has gone out and done in the NIL era and the sport being as... We heard from Jordan the poster of how teams may use name, image, and likeness in the transfer portal to build teams from here in and out. So, uh, you know, Larinaga and what he's done adapting to that new model, definitely a story you can follow into the weekend. Also, you had um, for uh, the guys on UConn, you've got uh, three different players on that team, by the way, observing Ramadan during the entirety of the NCAA tournament this year in a way that is certainly deserving a lot of respect for anyone unfamiliar. During Ramadan, you fast, no food or drink from sun up to sundown during the month where this tournament's going on. And yeah. they've had three players uh, that have been a part of this. Adam Snogo, who is the leading scorer through the first two rounds of the tournament, a beast for them on the interior. Samson Johnson, who was injured and hasn't really played that much. And then Hassan Diara, who's a backup point guard for this team. So to pull that off during this tournament run and to have to make the adjustments, I've heard that as sun's gone down, they've had easily digestible food ready and available for them during different portions these games to try and help give them that boost but Brandon you know within the training and everything in the lead up to that that's still long portions of important time preparing without a lot of the same fueling that so many other people are getting throughout this run for them to look the way they have in the tournament so far is really really impressive what's the old uh, idiom they used to tell us growing up that football is 75% mental 
like stuff and stuff like that. Like I think this is where the mind works over the body and you get to see just how powerful both are individually. That's why I love hearing anecdotes about players uh, fasting and then going out and having, you know, historic performances. It's all working to get together. So shouts out to those guys. And you know, that, that makes me look at them. Like I was like, Oh, this may be that little edge of why they've been dominating this entire time during this tournament. And also, my bad, uh, by the way, I misspoke uh, earlier at uh, Adama Sonogo, uh, the star for UConn, okay. obviously. The buddies of mine that all graduated from UConn screaming into their headphones listening to this podcast right now. So, Final Four action, obviously going to be a big part of this weekend. But Brandon, since we had to wave goodbye to the last of us as uh, we're looking at turn-ons for the weekend... Yeah. You and I both on the succession train. HBO Sunday nights remain jam-packed full of shit. And the final season of Succession's back here. We got the Roy family already going tooth and nail at each other in episode one. It was also an episode like, did you have a favorite one-liner from the first episode? Because I think we had a bunch of great ones in contention, especially from the uh, combination of Cousin Greg and Tom Wamscamps. Oh, my God. Okay, I think you you already posted it on your Instagram stories between those two. And obviously, anything that happens between those two is a highlight for every episode. But them going to each other and whispering the dirty brothers. Oh, this is no, the, nasty the disgusting brothers. brothers. <laughs> disgusting brothers. It's just so, like, you know when, like, they call, like, sex off screen? Like, things that are happening off screen that you don't know about, but it's still part of the narrative. Like, a, a lot of shows have this in their scripts. Them two being the Disgusting Brothers is the best off-scene stuff to this narrative right now. 100%. That duo having their nickname now cemented on camera like this... <laughs> absolutely perfect way to kick off the year they've been so important to this series the whole way they also gave us the line that duo rummaged to fruition referring to cousin Ooh. greg apparently fooling yes. around with the girl that he brought to the party who man the conversation around that bag that she brought to the party was such a perfect addition to that show the burberry bag that she had that tom yep. and everyone else were just ripping her mercilessly for going out i think i looked it up the bag cost like twenty three hundred dollars and as like burberry's tried to rebrand themselves as more high end it was the perfect bag for someone to trying to disguise themselves amongst this group of bloodthirsty elites Wow. Yeah, that, that I wanted more from her. I want to know exactly how how they met and how she was able to plant her seed to get to that party and get a selfie or ask for a selfie from Logan Roy. Yeah, I mean, it probably from some rummaging to fruition, I would imagine, came into to that. But uh, started off with a bang. I mean, you've already got the kids in that family making a horrific decision on buying a legacy media company just to spite their father even though they have claimed they're not doing it despite their father after trying to start some new venture media company called The Hundred and then just leaving it by the side of the road the minute a thing that hurts their dad can present it to them. You know what? I, Mike, I love that because when, while, while it was being presented to us, we're like, what is going on? The Hundred. Like, is this really what this season is going to be about? Some Something that can be summed up on a PowerPoint. And it was immediately thrown away as, mu as quick as we saw it. As, as Much like this new character. Is it Theo? T? Like, what do we think about this assistant to the, to the siblings? 
Oh, this, yeah, I feel like he's going to be, well, I shouldn't say that because everyone kind of ends up being a little bit of something. Like you had all the assistance to Logan Roy in that scene where they're going back and forth in the negotiation and he's asking them to roast him and they all just piss down their legs, each and every one of them until so cousin good. Greg just basically sits there and tells them he's a mean old man. <laughs> I mean, it was. It was definitely perfect. I talk about dispensable character or disposable characters. Marsha, she's shopping forever now somewhere. Like the, the original wife is just gone. It's just it was it was a really great high energy start to the last season. And we know it's sad because we're losing what's essentially been like modern day Game of Thrones. Like it's got all yeah. the same power plays and weird family dynamics. Thankfully, minus the incest, although we know that, you know, Roman's given us a bunch of really weird moments like sending the dick pic to Logan last year, but it, it's going to suck to see it go, but this show feels as capable of any, just based on how it's been set up, to produce a really stellar final season, and it started off with a bang, so excited for episode two coming up this weekend for sure. Yeah, there's there's something about it that is, I hate when series get to this point where it's like, I don't know if they got it narratively yet, but I'm going to keep watching. I'm going. I'm going to keep watching Logan Roy. This last thing I'll say, capsule. He he acted perfectly. All those people who are disgruntled about birthdays, he put that out there to a T. Oh, one hundred percent. Yes, the birthday drama. The birthday, like the things they put in the backdrop of this show to just shit all over is a concept that normal people enjoy, and because of their <laughs> station in life, just couldn't be less important to them. Always him walking right out of the room as soon as they sing "Happy Birthday" in disgust and taking a sip from his drink as he ponders way more important things in his mind. Again, you're right. It does. It makes a mockery of all of the things that we claim to enjoy. So uh, we've got that. The other thing, Brandon, uh, Love is Blind season four. Woo. Have you gotten in on this? I know we talk a lot about competition reality on this store on this show, but this is one as far as the reality dating show has taken over the mantle of The Bachelor for me. Mike, and they have added drama because one thing that is key in the bachelor is drama amongst people going for the same person and you kind of get that eliminated a little bit diffused if you will with love is blind because there's fewer suitors but have they amped up the the tandem dating mike yes i've been watching love is blind season four mainly because i thought charlotte was going to be all over it and we didn't mention it at all so i've been watching in preparation and then slowly falling in love with it but yes we have some storylines i think some people are going to make it but the thing that they teased about somebody uncommitting and committing to the other one like it's very all all very tantalizing um, spoiler alert here, if you haven't watched it and are going to, just so I can say what I want to after this. Okay. First off, it seems like I'm only one episode in, Irina and Micah seem like trouble oh, on the lady side of things. Like, Micah my is whatever the fuck, whatever version of a fuckboy is a girl, that's what she appears to be. I, I, I'm choosing to believe that she is in love with Zach because he's like just the ultimate weirdo, just like Irina is. Like, I feel like she's a t a attracted to this. But, Mike, I'm with you. Like, those two are trouble. I was like, this, what I don't like about this is, like, this is grounds for Netflix to have a show just featuring Micah and Irina, just like laughing at people crying, yes. like, just like, just dancing on people's feelings left and right. 
Yes, that is the perfect way to put it. They are tap dancing all over feelings, playing them like a fiddle left and right on this show. So I am monitoring their status as reality villains, but still the most shocking moment of the episode. And again, spoiler alert, 100% because this is the end of episode one. Yeah. Tiffany falling asleep on Brett. Like the one good thing that came out of that first episode was that relationship. And you've got Brett spilling his guts about losing his brother who was engaged and set to get married and how much that devastated him. You had Tiffany tell him she's falling in love with him. And as he sits there to process that, what I want to make note of, Brandon, is when you look in front of them, they got food and drink on this show. And normally... Mm -hmm. They use the gold glasses, so you can't tell continuity editing wise as you cut up these shows how far people yeah. are down in their glasses. So it allows them to edit these conversations as they see fit. Like reality okay. television is all about how they give everyone their edit. And so that's just yes. one of the tools. Even when the Love is Blind crews go back home to the apartments and live together, they're still drinking out of gold cups, so you can't see how far down the glass they are. Uh. Tiffany messed up the game a little bit on that because she was drinking. She had a bottle of Casamigos in there and she was drinking it out of a shot glass that she had next to her. And if you okay. look, when she came into the room to when she's on the couch shown falling asleep, there's about a quarter of a bottle of that Casa gone. Like at least the neck Not and a little gone. bit into the top part there. And so enough to make you very sleepy. And yeah. so Jeff's, Brett's over there spilling his guts feeling like he's getting ready to get out of here with her and she just goes dead silent we end the episode with him freaking out saying i'm done with this stuff one of the more incredibly absurd reality moments i've ever seen and brandon in addition to the alcohol i could tell you exactly where it comes from what why don't they give them fucking beds on this show i am flabbergasted really? we see them all laying down bunking up on these couches sleeping in a weird <laughs> spot are they confined to that one room without beds are there not enough beds for these people you got all these pods that everyone gets to go in with this nice stuff but do, do they not get beds i never see the bed shown on this show and i'm starting to yeah. get concerned that it's having real ramifications on the relationships like this one i feel like uh like when you're at a dorm i imagine like a religious camp or something somebody's walking around telling people to get out of their room and go like congregate like go do something go do something in front of the cameras hey hey go work out go talk like unfortunately for them they're constantly being told to get out of their room and go outside that's what i mean that's i, I want to shoot tiffany some bail on this because she yeah. really does like her and brett are two of the older people there i think they're both in their mid-30s they both seem to really have a good head on their shoulders 36 I I'm the full Tyra Banks meme right now. I was rooting for you. That's why I'm so upset. Do you want me to extra spoiler alert? No. Oh, well, is it? Because I haven't seen past episode one, so don't spoil it for me. Well, I mean, okay. All right, I won't, I won't, I won't. But uh, this isn't a spoiler. The blanket budget on Love is Blind has to be nuts. I want to see a breakdown of what they spent the most money on. Because again, the pods and everything look really nice. They're doing up the rest of that stuff great, but the blankets are completely out of hand. I'll say this. There was a spoiler alert in the second episode of season four that essentially they are in a big warehouse somewhere that's been converted to look like all these things. So like, I, I don't know where they're going to the bathroom, but just being locked away in a, in a, in a <laughs> air conditioned warehouse somewhere to find love seems nuts. 
this is a lot closer to modern Squid Game than we've maybe given it credit for, for that reason. So <laughs> everyone keep an eye out for the safety of the Love is, Bri- Love is Blind crew. Uh, Brandon, is there anything else that you're turning on over this weekend uh, coming up here? That's about all I got time for on the docket. I'd love to squeeze in John Wick 4. I just don't know if there's going to be enough time uh, because I am also going to WrestleMania this weekend. You I'm going to go are, check that out. Yes. I've never been to a live WWE event in my life. I'm getting to go through the kindness of the people at DraftKings. It's right in my backyard out in Los Angeles at SoFi. Yeah. I know Mike Ryan from the Levitard show is going to be out there. That's really in his bag. Our buddy O'Shea Jackson Jr. is also going to be out there. And so if you are oh, nice. a listener to the show who's into that scene, please, at Mike Gola Jr. on Twitter, Tell me what I need to do. Tell me what I need to look out for. I'm excited to check this out, but I'm a first-timer. I know how serious the wrestling community is. It's a lot like the Swifties I just dealt with, and so I'm hoping to have a similar experience, but that does mean I'm probably going to have to cross John Wick 4 off the list for now. So is there anything else you've got, Brandon? You know, there's there's the movies coming out. When is that? I feel like the that, that Air movie from Ben Affleck and them are coming out. It's coming out soon. When is that? Set to to release. I can look that up because that's also, I think, like, yeah, that's got like a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes right now. It's supposed to be like I know in the previews they call it the next Jerry Maguire, so you can see that's kind of the style of movie they're going for. But continuing to draft on everything that's come out since the last dance about Jordan content. No, I I would say yeah, obviously, you know, they're going to milk that. I, I didn't know Viola Davis was involved. If I knew Viola Davis was involved, I wouldn't have been looking at the product sideways like if some Amazon Prime movie. No offense to anyone who's making strictly Amazon Prime movies. Uh, get get your thing. But anyways, I will say this, Mike. Carter turned three on the 4th of March. Obviously, this is the last day of March. He's really into Goofy. He says he loves him because he's funny uh, compared to the rest of the characters. So I was like, oh my gosh, Like my son is like paying attention to things. I think it's time that he watched the Goofy movie. I know I'm wearing the shirt currently if you're on YouTube uh, right now, but I think it's time for me to explain. Like, that's what that's what the schedule things are. It's like finding out what time things start game-wise. So in between the time, with the, the little time that Michelle allows him to sit down on the couch and watch TV, I am dictating what we're watching, and it is a growth experience for dad and son. I was going to say, Brandon, I know how much that movie means to you. We talked about this uh, during the final season of Atlanta on FX. So I yes. know it's a big moment for you and your oldest son. I mean, yeah, this week when he told me that Goofy was his favorite character, I was like, my wheels just started turning. I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. My son. This is my son. This is my this is my genes. Um, time to foster this creativity. Mike, he's shooting at basketballs and he's like he won't go to he won't like go to bedtime until he actually makes one. Like he's like that level of like last shot, best shot type of thing. It's just, it's insane. Fatherhood's insane. I honestly just realized I had two kids the other day. So like, you know, it's all up and up from here. Congratulations. And also I'm sorry, your grocery bill is about to go through the roof that you just inherited these two kids. So pretty incredible. But the fact that he is already Brandon trending in a direction where, like you said, notice that you get to share the goofy movie thing with him. He's already playing basketball, which means in theory, you could talk him into Louisville hoops as a potential option. If you catch him listening to Drake, I'd imagine you're going to cry tears of joy. (laughs) What is that one he just had with uh, DJ Khaled? You're going to know that way more than me. Staying alive. Ah, ah, ah. I'm staying alive. I'm staying. Obviously, BJ's uh, the Bee Gees flip, but he loves that song. Already, already a big oh. Drake fan. Brandon, speaking of music, let's finish Damn out it. the week on a high note. Brandon, do you know what time it is? 
I do, Mike. Tell me how I'm supposed to breathe with no air. Y'all ready? I walked, I ran, I jumped, I flew Right off the ground to flow to you There's no gravity to hold me down for real But somehow the love inside You took my breath, but I survived I don't know how, but I don't even Tell me how I'm supposed to this with no that Can't live, can't breathe with no that Can't live with you while we ain't there This, that, and the third No air, air, no air, air No air, air This, that, and the third oh, I'm like sweating now <laughs> Powerful. Oh. Do you remember that one? Oh, Brandon, do I remember that one? How could I forget that one? <sighs> Jordan Sparks. A moment. Man. I don't, I don't remember anyone else that came from that uh, American Idol class. No, American Idol, I was talking about that with my brother the other day. It's insane that that's still on, holds a ton of value, despite clearly being second fiddle to the voice as far as reality singing shows. True. And has switched networks. Was on Fox now on ABC. That shows the longevity. It is bringing back, I saw this season, a bunch of the old winners to help out. Like, that's the first time I've seen Clay Aiken in probably a decade. So, oh, happy wow. to see he's I mean, still doing man, well. That man is was born to politic and host a show or two. The second best ri- bridge, uh, rendition of Bridge Over Troubled Water behind only the great Aretha Franklin. I had to update that take after Chris Long showed me the error of my ways. I used to give him top billing of that one, and I have learned since then, uh, Miss Aretha, no, no, no. She is yes. number one spot there. If you agree Brandon's the number one spot, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review. Leave him a five-star rating and a review and tell him what a great job he did. Brandon, let's get to this. We get to announce a champion today. We finished up Woo. the final round of our Some Shining Moments voting. 32 moments from the last year put into a 32-team bracket going up against each other. Music, movies, sports, other, the internet, mm. hell, heaven, everything in between came down. <laughs> we had you, the fine fans, voting on this at Gojo Show on Twitter every step of the way. And we crown our champion heading into March Madness weekend, Brandon. Between the number one seeded slap at the Oscars and the mm, four seed mm, mm, mm. World Cup final with 65% of the vote, Brandon, the World Cup is your champion. I, Jessica Smetana somewhere, if she's listening to the podcast today, fist pumping her ass off because she called that one as underseeded to begin with. What I said, and my own dumb ass said right after it happened, that'll probably be the best sporting event I watch all year. And even with how great the Super Bowl was, that probably was because it's probably two of the best players in the sport that had their best game on the same day. Should have given it more credit. The slap holds so much mental and internet capital in my head. I was a little bit surprised, but congratulations to the World Cup. When it comes down to it, moments are the things that 
go in history books, right? And as much as the slap was a part of Twitter history and, and media history, and I it, I would struggle to think that it's written down in the lore of Oscar history. You know, I mean, it, at the end of the day, it's just who won what and who was nominated for what. So, see, I still that, disagree with that. I think that moment's no. going to transcend what's become an award it's, show, like a lot of other award shows that just aren't looked at with the same esteem anymore because of all the problems we have with the voting bodies okay. for these. I feel like that moment stands out. I hear what you're saying, but the Oscars happens every year. True. Right? We're talking about the World Cup, the most popular sport mm. in the world, so much so that it goes by its second name in one of the most popular nations of the world in America. Like I think this moment was so big because so many history books got the chance to 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 write off something like Mbappe, like was it the golden boot? Like all like messy like in the, all the different eras like it, i feel like it was the celebration was insane the the game was it double penalties yeah double it, penalties? it went it went to penalties like it was it was everything it was multiple goals from mbappe who's one of the best young players in the sport goals from Lionel messi who's gone back and forth with ronaldo is the two we talk about at the top of the sport now so yes a deserving champion congratulations thank you to everybody who listened to this who follows us on Twitter, who helped with the voting for this and made this happen. Brandon, let's get to that. Um, I have not yet jumped in on this craze, and I'm curious if you have, but talk to me. one of the places that you used to call home, sort of in New York City, you lived in New Jersey. It's like me in Manhattan Beach. You're kind of in the city, but not really. <laughs> Hello, yeah. Um, is now going to be home to one of the largest pickleball setups in the country. Ooh. Uh, Woman Rink in Central Park beginning in April is getting a city pickle set up there with 14 courts for play in Central Park. Brandon, my parents are all in on this. They play all the time out here so much so that apparently my brother-in-law, who's a former NFL tight end, struggled a little bit against my parents in his first time out and grew immensely frustrated. Yeah. You now live in Florida, which is one of the other big hubs of this. Have you gotten in on the trend, and is this something you'd actually be interested in going out and playing? Absolutely, Mike. As I prepare myself for Country Club, Brandon, uh, I feel like pickleball is like hit the streets in a real way. It's like park or meets uh, country club sports, like tennis. And I understand the frustration with doing something that seems easy and faltering at it, Mike. Back when I moved to L.A., I got invited to a beach volleyball pickup. Oh, Just yeah. some guys, you know. Unfortunately, all those guys were from LA and made me look like a effing child out there. Like I was, it was, it was embarrassing. My ego was hit. My wife was watching. Um, but for this, Mike, I think as I'm looking into like golf and badminton, not really pickleball, these are things that are going to keep me active and moving. And around this old crowd, Mike, I'm, I'm out around at, at Publix, the grocery store here. I see somebody in a pickleball shirt. I make a comment about it. They're like, fast growing sport. Got to get on it. You're not playing. What are you doing? Bro, it, people take that so seriously. One, especially where you are, like down in Florida and in Orange County in California. I had this conversation with Joe Tessitore once at a game last year as he was explaining how him and his family, because they have lived down in Florida, have been on pickleball much longer than all the rest of the people that are just getting over oh, to man. it now and wax poetic about the sport. What I like about it is it appears to be 
less taxing overall. Like, it's not like going to the country club and playing tennis. Like, unsurprisingly, I grew up going to a country club in Avon, Connecticut, because, of course. (laughs) And I played tennis there. Super active. Great way to stay in shape. Not really what my body can accommodate now. And so pickleball seems like big ping pong in how it's been described. Like, I think I'm going to be pretty good at this because I was always pretty good at ping pong. Yeah, and also I feel like any time that you can welcome doubles and it's not frowned upon, yep, is is better is better for the sport. Absolutely, built in person to blame when things go wrong, built in person to high five and celebrate with against the other team when <laughs> things go right. Uh, so very excited to check this out. Maybe we'll have I I want to try and get out and actually try my hand in it, so at least I can say I did it. Like, I understand now it seems like one of those trendy things to try and do, but I feel like it could be a good mover and I could end up being sneaky good at this. Yeah, I just feel like the the prices are crazy, Mike. It's like peak hours to rent out a court in this new place in in, uh, Central Park is $120 an hour. Like, it's already becoming something that has a specific price range, although there's not a lot of equipment to play the game. That is true. This does feel like the next place that Gwyneth Paltrow will get sued, so keep an eye out for that one uh, as things get started. Brandon, let's finish up with the third. Speaking of someone facing some legal issues here, uh, a young man decided to have himself an evening, uh, a Louisiana Saturday night, if you will. Authorities down in Baton Rouge arrested a 19-year-old LSU student and a group of men who allegedly stole $1,500 worth of beer from Tiger Stadium early Sunday morning, a cubby, according to WBRZ. Uh, per the arrest documents, the 19-year-old Bryce Talata and a group of college males were seen by the LSU Police Department carrying beer around 3 a.m. Sunday outside of LSU's football stadium. Stadium. Brandon, having been down to that campus, it's right in the middle of a shit and right next to a giant tiger t- uh, like in- enclosure space. I don't know really what you call where Mike the Tiger's it's not a cage because it's like a big area. I'm blanking on the word right now, but you're right next to a live tiger at night. That doesn't seem like the place you'd want to be fucking around, especially not down in the swamp. I mean, if he had to execute this, Mike. It's clear he had the eye of the tiger the entire time, um, but it sucks that he wasn't as stealthy as Black Panther because he got caught. What would you have tried to steal $1,500 of at Notre Dame if you had the chance? Ooh, I mean, you want me to tell, tell myself? Yes. Really, 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 really nice country club clothes at the bookstore. Like that, like I would, I would try to get as many Bill Cosby sweaters from the bookstore as possible, and I'd probably get like three or four with that price. Name redacted sweaters. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, stealing yes. from the bookstore would definitely be a good idea because that's a place. It's like Target, but for Notre Dame fans, where you can't go in right. and spend less than a hundred dollars each time that you go oh, there. My uh, goodness, you have to wait for your parents to come in town to even look around. It's terrible. I would. Honestly, like my fat ass, it would probably be something from the dining hall, like wheeling out the soft serve machine. I'm pretty sure, and she's got her degree and everything now and is gone from there. I'm 99% sure when my sister was there, she once stole an entire one of those industrial coolers of ice cream and hid it in her backpack on the way out. My sister committed some of the more wild acts of eating display in her college career as a swimmer because... You're burning million, you know, thousands of calories a day, so you can eat damn near whatever you want. And I'm pretty sure she swiped a whole thing of ice cream one time. So I would try and wheel out the soft serve machine that I used to hit up on the way out of North Dining Hall. I'm glad you're giving North love because you know that's where my heart is. But I got to give shout out to South Dining Hall 
And they're fresh baked cookies, Mike. Uh, this special time of the day where you get fresh baked cookies from South Dining Hall and you really can't beat them. And it's one of those things that you, you can't buy, you know? No, that is true. That is true. So between that, the cereal wall at South Dining Hall, it does have a special oh. place. But if I'm robbing a dot, robbing a dot, you know what? Honestly, I would probably rob South because I've got so much respect for North Dining Hall as the clearly mm. superior eatery. Well, what is that? What's that place that the only place we thought we could eat when we first moved there? It's like as smoothies and stuff. What's oh, the name of that place? Um, Wreckers. Wreckers. Or not Wreckers. Is it Wreckers? Yeah, I get, I get, I get about thousand dollars worth of smoothies. <laughs> get some, get some boosts. Oh my God! If you want to commit crimes with this podcast, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review us. Leave us a five star rating and tell us what crimes you would commit in the pot on your college campus in the reviews. Check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel under the podcast tab because that's a thing I found the other day. And make sure you like and subscribe and do all the fun things there. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the Final Four. We'll talk to you on Monday. Boom. Money in the bank.